Vicky and I had a chance to have a lunch with Janet from uh, Healing Hearts this week and hear a bit about her ministry. She's taken on the leadership at that organization and leading through some change. And she, she talked to us a little bit about how she's uh, been valuing the what do, do you see what I see series. She's been joining us online. And Janet, if you're watching, it's great to connect. And she says, Mike, those questions are so important. And not just for the Christmas story. You see, the root of compassion is in seeing things from another perspective. Seeing things differently. And that means stopping and asking questions. And so these questions we're asking in this series, how do I see things right now? How does the world see this? How does God see it? And how should I see it? are so important and are a foundational way to move beyond our biases, our tunnel vision, and our assumptions. And the past year, there's been enough things where we've needed to be asking these questions. We live in a culture that is so sure that they have the right answer on everything. Humility involves being compassionate, and being willing to learn and to grow and see things from another perspective. So asking these questions as we engage in prayer, as we engage in our scripture reading, as we engage in gathering as a community, opens up the opportunity for us to grow, for the Spirit to speak into our life, and to nurture a more godly perspective on so many things. And we're going to see that a bit, and I think, in today's, as we look at the character of Joseph. And so, um, and I just realized I forgot something. Um, Madison, can you go back to the video desk and get my phone for me and bring it up here for me, please? Thank you. I want to know how you see Joseph. That's how we start off, right? What do you see when you see Joseph. How do you perceive Joseph? And so I want to invite you, if you're at home or even here, just to text me what you see or what you think of Joseph in a couple words. Um, in a second, I'll let you just shout it out if you're here as well. If you're at home, you can shout it out too. I just won't hear you. And people will wonder why you're shouting out loud at home. Um, but I, I, I really would love to hear, when you think of Joseph, what comes to your mind? What do you see? There's a lot of different ways we can go on this. And Joseph is an interesting character because he plays such a large role in the Christmas story. And we assume in the life of Jesus. But we know, relatively, know and hear relatively little about him. So like I said, I'd love to hear from you. What are one or two words that you would use to describe Joseph. How do you see him? Would love to hear some thoughts. Integrity. Integrity. Respectful. Respectful. I'm repeating it so people online can hear, just so you know, not active. Well, I am active listening, I guess, but yes. He likes talking to angels. He likes, talking to angels. He likes to dream about angels too, doesn't he? Yeah. Supportive. Supportive. He's a hard worker. Hard worker. Righteous. Righteous. Yeah. Integrity, yeah. Sorry? Open to growth, yeah. 
faithful? Anybody at home want to text something in? Do we have the number? Oh, the number's on the screen at home, yeah. So. He's obedient. Definitely is that, isn't he? Anybody ever wondered about Joseph, what happened to him? He kind of just falls off the radar in Scripture, doesn't he? It's too bad. How many would like to know somebody like Joseph? Like, doesn't he just seem like the kind of guy that, wow, I'd like to know more about him. I'd like to know how he thinks. I'd like to know how he sees things. I think for us, we value Joseph. But he is kind, um, kind of in the background as well. For instance, when you think of angels at Christmas, how many of you think of Joseph first? Or do you think of the shepherds first? Or Mary? Or Zachariah? <laughs> and then maybe Joseph? And then do we really count Joseph's angel visit because it was in a dream? Right? Like, do we kind of downplay that one too a little bit? Poor Joseph. <laughs> Always last. That sounds like me and Fazette. I think we like Joseph. I think we like how he seems to really care about Mary. Now, we might question his planning abilities, right? I mean, he shows up in Bethlehem and there's no place for them to stay. Like, why didn't he just Google Hotels Bethlehem? I've seen enough jokes about that. It's like, what did you expect him to do? Phone somebody? But they didn't have that way. And they're going to a place where all these crowds were going to be. And um, as we talked about last week a little bit, it's not that he didn't have room in a hotel. There wasn't a spare room in the guest house where he was staying. So he stayed in the area where the animals were. So there's a good chance that they had family support around them in some way or form. And, and reality is, it would have been very uncharacteristic of a Mideastern community to turn away a woman in labor or even pregnant. That would have been unacceptable hospi hospitality. And hospitality was everything in that culture. Something that we've lost out on. Hospitality is a luxury now, not a necessity. But back then, it was, a, it was, it was an expectation. And so there's a good chance that they had people around them and they weren't completely alone and they had a roof over their head and somebody had welcomed them in but didn't have a spare room. Now, I don't know that for sure because I wasn't there. Nobody was. But that's the best we can piece together from historical evidence and the culture as we know it and what many authors have written about and said. So, so we have this guy named Joseph that... Wow, we all think good things about him. Nobody questioned his character or who he was. So how would the world see Joseph? Well, they'd see, we call him a carpenter, but more than likely he was a builder. The, the word that we translate carpenter should be translated builder in most cases. And if you look around, it's not like there's abundance of forest and trees. And also, not that far from where Joseph would have been living, there was Roman work being done where there's a good chance he would have gone and done the work um, along with many of the workers from his community over there. So 
Could have been with wood, could have been with stone, I don't know. But he's somebody who worked with his hands. Wasn't afraid of getting them dirty. The world would maybe seen him as a faithful man for sticking beside Mary in this season. Perhaps, perhaps they would have seen a descendant of royalty for those who knew. But I've always wondered, like, how much of a deal would that have been at that point? How much would people have known that? And if they did know, would it have been held in high regard or would it have been like, well, that's not relevant anymore. We got the Romans over us. So I, I'm curious how much that would have played in the world. And I've seen mixed responses on that as I've studied it. And so with Joseph, we really don't know much. And much, much of what we know is based on our suspicions of how things were. A lot of the world would have felt bad for Joseph with Mary being pregnant. After all, who would be the one who got blamed for the pregnancy? in that culture. It would have been Mary. Maybe our world's not that different today. Look at the story where Jesus encounters a woman caught in adultery. Have you ever wondered why the man's not brought forward, just the woman, yet they caught her in adultery? My understanding is that takes two people, right? And yet, it was a male-dominated world. And so the woman got brought forward. And I suspect in this situation, it would have been Mary who would have taken the brunt of the scorn and a bunch of the weight on that. I suspect someone looked down on Joseph for not leaving Mary, or some would assume it was Joseph that got Mary pregnant. One of the things I wonder about is, how much did Mary and Joseph tell others about her pregnancy and the nature of it. And if they told the truth, who would actually believe them? Would you have believed them? Okay, guys, I know we're not married yet and Mary's pregnant, but really, it was God. Sure, Joseph, sure. Would Joseph have believed Mary if it wasn't for the angel coming to him in a dream? How would Joseph see things? Joseph trusts God and believed God despite everything he would have been taught. You see, everything in the Hebrew faith was against the idea that a human could be God. Greeks and Romans believe this, other faiths believe this, but not the Hebrews. And yet God reveals to Joseph, and through Joseph reveals to us, the most astounding truth. That Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That this baby is going to be the son of God. The baby is not from a human father, but from God the Heavenly Father. And J Joseph being father is only in a secondary sense in this situation. God took on human nature without the loss of his deity. So Jesus, son of Joseph of Nazareth, was, was both fully divine and fully human. And the our incarnation is the basis of faith in many ways. If you can believe God came down and took on human form, 
you can then believe in any of the miracles of Jesus because of who he is, that makes sense. We see God choosing to reveal these truths to us in Scripture through the story of Joseph. And it's so important to know these truths. God sees Joseph as trustworthy and faithful. Though through Joseph's faithfulness to God, we have this truth to hold on to. Joseph did the Lord's will with little or even no hesitation. And as the angel called on Joseph and asked things of Joseph, Joseph saw God's desire as a first priority even over his own. So how did God see Joseph? God sees Joseph's obedience. He sees Joseph willing to set aside his plans and goals to follow God's call in his life. Joseph has asked a few things to still marry Mary, despite what the world would have told him to do. Joseph was called to name the baby Jesus. And Joseph was eventually to take his family to Egypt to avoid the massacre and slaughter of innocent children that Herod would do to try and get rid of this threat to his throne. Doing what God asks is not as easy as it sounds in this case. For Joseph, we're told, is righteous. He's just. He's faithful to the law. Yet, for Joseph, it's not as simple as following what's on paper or tablet or scroll. For him, there's a tension between keeping the letter of the law and being righteous in this situation. To be faithful to the law was to do the right thing and dismiss Mary in his books. And he wanted to be compassionate and do it quietly. He was pledged to be married, and that's a legally binding contract that could only be broken by divorce. Often, couples were betrothed for a year. And Joseph had to divorce Mary because of her pregnancy. He didn't want to disgrace her in public and make it a public spectacle, so he decided to do it privately in front of a witness or two rather than the whole town. Joseph reflected on this discerning. God saw that. Joseph was thinking about what to do when God intervenes in a dream. God reveals some incredible truths, and Joseph obeyed the angel in his dreams. Even though it is in tension with what the written word of the law required. It's interesting that he's called righteous, faithful to the law. Because in, in Deuteronomy 22, the call in this situation is capital punishment. Kill them. Stone them. Harsh. Especially in our culture. But that's what the letter of the law was. But that wasn't even the practice in the gospel's time. So that wasn't what was going to happen. But there was still a sense of a severe and humiliating consequence for this. Joseph's seen as just. He's living by the law, but Joseph's first act is to obey the command of God in the dream. Righteousness is not blindly following rules, but always incorporates the love for God, and love for others. And there's a tension in that. 
It doesn't mean everything's good, everything's great, do whatever as long as you love people. But how we interact, how we talk about things, how we evaluate situations. It has to be rooted in a love for God and a love for others. You know those questions we talked about at the start, the ones that we worked through? That's part of what this is. It's trying to love God and love others by saying, well, how, how do they see things? How does the world see things? How does God see things? And then saying, okay, God, with all that, what would you have me do? God sees Joseph as the son of David. You know, it's interesting that that's a title reserved for Jesus usually in the book of Matthew. And for God, that title matters. Joseph is a part of the royal dynasty of Judah. Maybe in the world that didn't matter anymore as much, but it did matter to God so God could fulfill his promises. God knew way back when, when he prophesied and promised, he gave these prophecies and promises of what would happen. He already knew about Joseph. Isn't that amazing? And we see that Joseph follows through on God's call in his life. Joseph naming Jesus confirms him legally recognizing Jesus as his own son, and thus a son of David too. Extending that title to the one who'd be our savior. God saw in Joseph a man who would help fulfill his promises. A man who is faithful to God first and interpreted the law and scripture through the love of God and the love of others. And a man who would set aside his agenda and do what God wanted. Let's step back again for what Joseph would see as God talked to him and what God was asking him because these two intertwine. Joseph had hopes and dreams of a marriage to Mary. Having his own kids. Living a certain life style, being a certain place. And that got all turned upside down when Mary became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. All his goals, desires got just turned upside down. And then even after that, he's turned into a refugee having to escape to Egypt to avoid the slaughter of his son. Those were not his plans, those were God's. And Joseph did that willingly, giving up his plans and his desires for God, knowing that there's something bigger in store, that God has something better planned long-term in his kingdom. And God saw in Joseph someone who is faithful and could trust. So how should we see Joseph? First, we should see a vessel through which we receive God's truth. We are indebted to Joseph for his role in the story and the truth shared with us through it. We see the divine nature of Jesus in the conception. And we see a faithful servant who does what God wants with the heart God desires despite what the world thinks. Do we echo that in our lives? Are we willing to surrender our dreams and hopes, our plans and understanding for that which God has in store for us? Are we willing to give up our wealth our comfort, our power and influence if Jesus says, go. 
We might say yes initially. But when it actually happens, are we willing to go? It's not always easy. In fact, it can be very, very difficult. Joseph did it, it seems, without any hesitation. And the more our hearts are aligned with God's kingdom, the more we're willing to listen and trust what the Holy Spirit says. Because those are two different things. You can listen to the Spirit, but if you don't trust what the Spirit is saying, if you don't trust what the triune God is calling you to, you're not going to act on it. Are we willing to go? Are we willing to be what God calls us to be? Are we willing to do what God calls us to do? Are we willing to let our points of view be changed through compassion and a love for God? Are we willing to learn and grow? Do we believe God's way is greater than the world's way? These are things that Joseph teaches us. So what should we do? We should be faithful. Faithful in prayer. Faithful in listening. Faithful in loving. I need to tell you, if you're, if you're at a crossroads of not sure what to do, can I suggest always err on the side of love? We need more love in our world, especially now. Loving one another, sacrificing our comfort for others. Loving each other and having understanding for one another. And I'm not talking just as a church, but our world needs this witness now more than ever. And God has said, go to us. He said, go into the world. Go into the places around you and make disciples. He said, go and love your neighbor as yourself. Are you willing to love the neighbor who disagrees with you? Who sees things different than you? Are you willing to love your neighbor who's of a completely different faith? Are you willing to love the person begging outside Walmart? Are you willing to love your family that you're estranged from in this season and offer grace and forgiveness? God's called us to forgive as we wish to be forgiven. Are we willing to do that? So let's be faithful to what God has called us to. And like Joseph, let's root our actions in a love and a faithfulness to Scripture. Those two intertwined, holding things in tension with each other. Let's look past the expectations of the world and set our eyes on Jesus and his expectations for us. Because we're his body. 
We are the body of Christ in the world, and we need to live up to that. This world needs the body of Christ at work in it. We can get caught up in our culture this Christmas, getting frustrated that the world does this and the world does that, and they've taken Christ out of Christmas. What utter nonsense. That is the most ludicrous statement I have ever heard in this world, that people are taking Christ out of Christmas. Who here believes Jesus is part of the triune God? Okay. Who here thinks humans have power over God? I should put my hand down, right? (laughs) The idea that we could take Christ out of Christmas? Think about the utter ludicrous nature of a statement like that, that we think we have the power to remove God from our world by how we act. My friends, there is nothing that can remove Christ from Christmas. Nothing. But we do have a remarkable ability to shift the focus off of Christ ourselves as the church when we get caught up in the world. Christ is at work in this world through his servants who are willing. Nothing can remove Christ from Christmas. But I hope we each want to be a part of what Christ is doing this Christmas. So let's love one another. Let's love our neighbors right now. Let's bring grace and understanding even when it doesn't make sense to us. And let's look to bring hope into this world and peace. Let's bring joy to those around us and love with Christ at the center. Please bow with me in prayer. Jesus, you died and rose again and went to heaven and we are in a season of Advent ourselves, not just celebrating the time that you came as a baby, but we're in an Advent of waiting your return in this world. But in this season of waiting for us, you are at work all around us. Empower us with your spirit, Lord, to be a part of that work. Help us keep our eyes set on you in this season. Not in the sense of making sure we sing all the right songs and all that, but help us to be your hands and feet in this season. Help us to be your voice in this world, sharing, speaking words of love and compassion and understanding. Help us to be a people who are humble, willing to learn and grow. And in that, Lord, set our eyes on you and love you in all things. May you be glorified and honored. In your name we pray. Amen.